like all of a sudden out of nowhere i had started my own cheese board business i don't even make cheese i don't even eat cheese why am I doing that? Like, it was like, is this what I'm supposed to be now? Like, I was just so like all over the place. And I was like, I came here for songwriting. I'm doing cheese boards. I don't eat cheese. I, I married, like my life has changed so much in the past two years. How do you know when you get to the moment that you're like, this is it, this is what I'm supposed to be for the rest of my life. Welcome to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. I'm your host, Eric Savage, and today I am so excited for what episode 23 has in store for us. My guest today is my longtime friend, Jess McKinney. She is an entrepreneur, songwriter, and wife. She is the founder of Gather to Graze, a grazing board business based in Nashville that specializes in charcuterie and cheese boards with allergy-friendly options. In addition to running her business, she is newly married to her husband, Scott, and an extremely gifted singer-songwriter. We talk all things business, going vegan, relationships, and just overall life thoughts and advice. This is episode 23 with Jess McKinney. Tell me kind of what led you to this idea of starting Gather to Graze? Yeah, well, it kind of just evolved over time. Um, I think it originally began, I was working at a retail store and we would have events at the store and um, I, they would ask me to like get the food together for these events and they were really small, like 20 people. Um, and they were like, oh, we should do like charcuterie boards and like meat and cheese and all this stuff and I would I would get the items but I would tell one of the people that worked there like you have to make it like I don't know how to do this like I think I was so scared of like making something and it not looking good and failing at it and so I like let other people do it for a while and then after a while I and during well during that time I started following people on Instagram that did cheese boards and I was like studying like how did they do it how can I do it so the first time that I do it I don't fail (laughs) and so um it kind of morphed into one day I just decided to do it and then I got better at it the more I did it and then people at the store were like oh can you make this for my Christmas party like the the guests that would come into the store that would be like just my Christmas party or like my daughter's graduating can you make me one and so it kind of went from there, but Gather to Graze was born through, um, so I started doing it for my my f- friends. I'll also pause and say, I don't eat meat or cheese. <laughs> so this is a fun fact. <laughs> so I have followed a plant-based diet for two years now, and I started this a year and a half ago. So it, I started off not eating it, um, and my husband doesn't either. He's been plant-based for seven years. And just for diet reasons, for health reasons, for ethical reasons, um, we follow that diet. So anyways, so everyone was like, I want you to make one for like our parties. Like, but I'm invited to these parties. So I'm like, okay, like I want to make this, but I want to put things on there that I can enjoy. So I started using like hummus and other dips and cashew based cheese and, um, like things that I could eat, um, that weren't meat or like dairy cheese. Um, and so, yeah, so it just started morphing into that and more people wanted that than I like noticed, um, and recognized. And I think I noticed that a lot of people wanted one thing and weren't being conscious of the other guests at their party that, aren't eating dairy right now or can't eat gluten or all of these things. And I wanted it to be known that you can have a charcuterie board, but you can make it so that you can eat it 
and not feel bad about eating it or not make your stomach hurt. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so it's kind of more from there and it's taken off like better than I thought. Um, I've always loved doing something creative. Uh, I mean, that's how I met you. I'm, I'm a songwriter really at, at heart. Um, and that's how I moved to Nashville and long story short, I, once I met Scott, I fell in love and I was like, Oh, I can't write love songs. I don't know how to do that. And that's a lie. But I thought that I couldn't do it. So I like stopped for a minute, but I needed, I found that I needed a creative outlet still. And so gathered grades was like, Oh, I latch onto this. And I was like, this is my creativity that I can still do. And whether I'm in love or not, I can still do it. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I started gathered grades in February of 2019. Yeah. And it's been going well. I feel like it's it's actually picked up more during quarantine, I think. But I think that's solely because I've given more time to it. I have made a point to do like 15 minutes a day, post something on Instagram, send an email, do something um, because it's not my full time job. So I work for Vanderbilt full time in higher education. I do marketing. And so I um I work in a desk job. And so it was hard to do that um, and do gather degrees while I was working in the office. Um, I couldn't just like leave in the middle of the day and make a board and come back. Um, it'd have to be like after work hours or on the weekends, which for a lot of cases that worked out. Um, but now that I am working from home, I'm able to do both um, with much more ease. And um, yeah, and I, I've, I've really learn to love my quarantine days and loving working from home <laughs> um which I think I'll be working from home for a while like most of us but um yeah so it's my creative outlet one of my creative outlets I'm, I'm still writing I'm still songwriting um but yeah I'm not doing it as full-time so I have so many questions because you said some really amazing things I'm really curious why you felt like you couldn't write love songs once you actually fell in love I want to go into that a little bit I've thought about it a lot and I think it's because like when you're in love you're not thinking about why you're in love all the time you don't you don't overanalyze why you're in love you overanalyze why, why you broke up with someone or why they broke up with you and you think about it all the time and you sulk and you feel those feelings at least I do as an Enneagram four and I so writing a breakup song was like oh I could just do it like that like that was so easy and I, I could like get in my feelings and I mean I guess you could do the same for a love song but I don't know I I don't know and I I got to this point where I was like so if you if you know me and listen to all my old songs it's about like every single guy I've ever dated since I turned 13 and so I got to this point where Scott and I were really serious and I was like, I feel uncomfortable singing about other guys. I don't know how to write anything else. Like me and Scott are doing great. I don't know what to do. And so, so Scott and I, we dated for two months and then we broke up. He broke up with me. It's fine. <laughs> we're fine now, but we're married. It's okay we were broken up for five months and during those five months I wrote probably my best songs I've ever written not to toot my own horn but to two they were pretty good 
and I was able to sing with the bluebird and it was awesome. And I was like really in my feelings about it and I was doing great. And then all of a sudden he came back around and was like, I want to take you out again. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Um, and we laugh about it now because it was like two months of like, I'm not sure if what I want, like, do I want to get back together with you? Cause he broke up. We broke up out of the blue and just because he wasn't seeing it yet. Anyways. Um, so we got back together and that was when I had the feeling of, I don't know how to write a song when I'm in a good relationship. And I think it was a sweet realization of, Oh, this is really healthy and really good. And I realized I was writing songs about really unhealthy things. <laughs> Um, which in a way is really therapeutic and so good to be able to do that. But I had trained my brain to just write songs about things that were going wrong in my life. And I didn't know how to write about things that were right. And anyways, so I went through a spell of not writing for like probably a year, maybe. Um, and not because I hated it, not because... I don't know. I just, not because Scott wasn't encouraging me to do that. It was just, I just felt like I couldn't. Um, and so Scott and I dated, I don't know how long, but for our, we got engaged and his wedding present to me was a piano. And he was like, I know you still have it in you. Like, don't give it up. I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> and it was, it's the sweetest gifts he's, he's ever given me. Um, yeah, so that was the next step of, okay, maybe I just need to breathe for a second. And I rested all my identity into I'm a songwriter and that's all who, that's all that I am. And when I wasn't writing, I was like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like, I guess I'll just be a married woman and I'm not going to chase my dreams anymore. And that's just who I am. And but deep inside of me, I was like, no. And Scott was like, heck no. <laughs> you are a songwriter. You are amazing. And you can do this even when you're married. I think for the longest time, I thought that I needed to be the certain person before I got married. Like when I'm married, I want to be able to say that I have a Grammy. I did all this and I have my own business and I achieved all these things. And first of all, that timeline's not realistic. And like, why give yourself a deadline like that? Like either find love or don't, you know? And I, I think that wasn't fair that I put upon myself, but I feel like a lot of people do that. Um, and so when I got married, I, I, Scott and I talked about this a lot of like, it's okay that you're not the person that you thought you would be when you got married. It's okay that you are still growing. And I, and so from that conversation, I actually wrote a song about like, how do you know when you are the person that you're supposed to be? Like, like all of a sudden out of nowhere, I had a, started my own cheese board business. I don't even make cheese. I don't even eat cheese. Why am I doing that? Like, it was like, is this what I'm supposed to be now? Like, I was just so like all over the place. And I was like, I came here for songwriting. I'm doing cheese boards. I don't eat cheese. I, I married, like my life has changed so much in the past two years. I'm like, how do you know? How do you know when you get to the moment that you're like, this is it. This is who I'm supposed to be for the rest of my life. And I don't think that that is true. Like, I think you are uh, like always evolving, always changing and always wanting to be the person you want to be be and that 
will change. And, and I think that's what's scary about marriage too, that Scott and I talk about of like, we're not going to be the same person that we married, you know, like even a year from now, we're going to like, our jobs can be totally different. Our day to day, like attitudes can be different. Like, and I think that was a really sweet realization to come to together of like, we're just going to choose each other and we love each other. And I'm excited to watch you grow. Are you excited to watch me grow? Cool. Like, and so it's been really sweet and hard and really difficult, but, um, it's been a really fun season. And even like when I was thinking about it, driving over here, I was like thinking about being on a podcast and I was like, I feel like I needed to like achieve something before I was on a podcast. Like my whole life, or my whole life, ever since podcasts came out, I, <laughs> I am like, oh, I would love to be on a podcast, but I need to like achieve something before I do that. Um, and that's not true. <laughs> like, and I love that that's your mantra too, of like working a little bit every day to be the person you want to be, to achieve what you want to achieve. I definitely have been blessed to have some quote unquote notable people on the podcast so far, but my real heart behind it was if I could build a podcast that had a follower base that I strictly never monetized, didn't do it for ads, but purely the best intentions of, I feel like there are so many people and I'm obviously cause you're here. I, th- I think you are this woman, this person of there are amazing people that I know of that are in the shadows that aren't the main people with a million followers, the blue check mark on Instagram that are doing these amazing things that deserve the spotlight in air quotes or like attention from other people that I know are doing things for the right reasons. And if I can somehow build up a listener base that can turn those people onto what these people are doing and hopefully, you know, you've touched on so many things so far in the episode, be it love, be it marriage, be it songwriting, be it, uh, being an entrepreneur starting, you know, being a desk job person, even like there's someone listening today that's resonating with your story. And it's not because you have a million followers and a blue check mark and you know, your own website with this long list of like amazing things and you haven't given a TED talk because I'm inspired just listening to your stories an everyday person mm. because I'm single, like I'm learning from you. And yeah. and so I just think that what brings us all together isn't the highs and these amazing accolades. Cause I don't think a lot of people can resonate with, with those. We all mm-hmm. aspire to have those, mm-hmm. but very little people actually know what that feels like. We like, we can guess, like I can yeah. guess what marriage is like, yeah. but I don't actually know. What do you think it is about gather degrees and being a songwriter, being a musician, like what are those commonalities? Because I I think I'll give my short answer and then your response is like, you bring people together. You know, a musician is playing a beautiful song that they've written or someone else has written and everyone's listening and everyone's coming on the same wavelength and they're tapping their feet or they're doing a swing dance or they're, you know, in the corner bobbing their head and it's this thing where we're all on the same page doing it together but in our own way. And I almost feel like that could the same, at least visually for me, I'm picturing sitting at Arrington Vineyards and you lay out this amazing, you know, board that you've built and it's like everyone's getting, like you said, their own little a hummus, a cheese, a, a, a vegan thing but it's all provided by you. Yeah. Like you're providing that experience. And I feel like, I don't, I don't know, yeah. like I've said, I'm not trying to lead you and be like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Cause I, I want to know your answer, but I feel like you're such a community builder in all the things that you do. Well, thank you for saying that. I love, I love that. I, I, that's exactly it. I love bringing people together and to have one, let's say, I love bringing people together 
with one common thing that everyone can relate to each other with. So yeah, grazing boards, like one grazing board with like dairy-free options, gluten-free options, like everyone can enjoy the same thing and it means something to them and they don't have to feel left out of something. And I love that in the same way for songwriting. Like I love when someone comes up to me and they're like, I went through that exact same thing and exact same thing. And I love listening to this song because I, it just like someone else feels that. And, and I, and I feel that with grazing boards too, in a, in a way of like, Oh, like I'm seen and I, and that sounds so weird talking about like food, but like, so I, I made a, a, a grazing board this weekend, um, for someone that had a lot of allergy. She had a cow's milk allergy and has, um, a form of diabetes. So there were these things that I couldn't put on the, on the board. Um, and so I put like, um, goat cheese and sheep's cheese and like a lot of veggies and things. So like she was seen on the board and she loved it because it was like, I can eat this and I don't have to turn it away because I'm allergic. Like, and I can't, or it will make me sick if I eat it. Like being seen in the smallest things, even like whether that's a song or through like food, I think there's such a communal aspect of both food and music, you know, like I think that's why people love Nashville so much. <laughs> like you go to a restaurant and there's live music. They need more of that. I will say live music in restaurants, not just Broadway. Um, Franklin does a good job about it. But um, like, I think that's why people love. I think those are like two of the main things that bring people together to like celebrate something, you know, like whether it be like a concert or like a restaurant, you know, like it brings people together to celebrate and enjoy community and talk about something they have something in common with too. Like I also love, um, when I do like a grazing board or grazing table and people are just gathered around it, talking about what's on it and have you tried that yet? Oh, like that one's my favorite. I don't like that one. Like and talking about it and not just like picking up their plate and walking away, you know, like not taking just what they want from it, but it's, but are able to have like a conversation and, um, commune with someone next to them and get to know someone next to them that they might not otherwise. Um, I mean, same for music. If you have the same taste in music with someone, you're like automatically like, this is great. Like we're going to be besties. Um, so yes, I think that's definite. That's 1000% the commonality between both songwriting and gathered grays. And I, I love that so much. (laughs) So I wanted to ask a follow-up question about something you said two questions ago. Mm -hmm. And that was this idea about I was really good at writing about like bad things that were happening to me. Those weren't your exact words, but that was yeah, kind yeah. of the net net of what you said. I think a lot of our self-reflection, because you hit on it, was, you know, what we rem- remember and what beats us up at night when we lay our head on the pillow is like our regrets of our mistakes. Like we falsely assume, oh, if I wouldn't have said or did the thing that I did in that relationship, then it wouldn't have ended. Like, I just know if I, why did I do that? Or why yeah. did you know this? We, we'd like microscope. We hone in on this one moment when reality, it's probably like the death by a thousand cuts kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Like there, and there, and there are a lot of reasons, you know, that, yeah. that things can end. But I just wonder why do you think it, that we all naturally gravitate towards like the negative about our lives or our decisions rather than, well, you know, I know we broke up, but this is what I did learn about myself, you know, in a good way. And hopefully yeah. we eventually probably get there for the most part. What, what what do you think it is about the negativity that's so contagious to our mind and just holds up so much of our 
I don't know, our, our thoughts. Like that's what populates for so much of us. I know. That's a really good question. And I feel like I should know the answer, <laughs> but I don't like, I just think it's interesting. I think that's what it is. Like, I don't know the answer and I don't know why. And there's probably someone out there that's really wise and knows why, but I think there's a, yeah, there's like a, there's a comfort in honing in on the negative things. And I've had to like get myself out of those ruts by like literally at the end of the day, Scott and I have to sit and be like, what is something really good that happened to you today? Or what made you laugh today? Like just one thing, because especially during this season, because it's so easy to hone in on what's going wrong and like overanalyze and think about the things that are awful. And I like, I think about all my journal entries and this sounds bad, but like, I don't even have a journal entry for when I got married or like my engagement. I think, I think I journaled like a couple days after I got engaged, but it was like, I think it's also because like you're on this high of like being so excited about something that you don't want to sit down and like write about it. Like, Uh, a lot I don't know maybe a lot of people do that but it's like oh I forget that I need to like stop and take note of this when on the other hand like if something's going wrong like you just want to be by yourself and you're going to journal about it because sometimes you don't want to talk to somebody about something or the more I think about it the more it's like I think we expect for our lives to go the way we want it to and when it doesn't that's when we get in our heads about it. Like we expect like, oh, this is my goal. This is my dream. This is my envision for my life. And if everything is checking off the boxes, you're like, this is what's supposed to happen. I'm not going to dwell on it. Like this is this happening correctly, how I always imagined. And then when it's like, no, it's not. Then that's like, oh no, like my life's a wreck and this is messed up because it's not how I thought it would be. And maybe that's it of like, yeah, it's not going how you planned and so you sit and sulk. <laughs> so here's my final thought on it. And then we're going to wrap up and go to a, a little bit more of a lighter topic. But, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about this. And honestly, I think it's I, I believe we all have this natural subconscious bias that our mind prefers situations where it knows the outcomes. Because when we know the outcomes of, I mean, even things like movies, books, sports games we're watching or even, you know, situations in our life, we find so much comfort in these guaranteed outcomes But when I think about it, the difference between dwelling on past disappointments and looking forward is that only one of those two has actually a guaranteed outcome. We both consciously and subconsciously find comfort in knowing the outcome, even if it's a bad one, because for some reason, I believe we're all programmed in this like fight or flight, self-preservation, humanistic mindset to focus on outcomes that don't end in our demise as a being. And yes, I I understand that that sounds pretty morbid and we just really went zero to 100 really quickly because we all of a sudden went from going and talking about breakups to now an element of death. But I guess what I'm trying to say is we have to learn to be self-aware to know why we do say and think the things that we do and be able to adjust to those things when needed when we're doing something out of a reaction rather than what we actually need to be doing. Um, you know, I, I believe that there truly is this subconscious addiction we have to learn to battle of this toxic thinking that our mind is craving that comfort and in mulling over and in air quotes you know the rubik's cubing uh these past scenarios in our life and constantly trying to figure them out and i think it's also part of having this false sense of being more in control of our lives than we 
we actually are, and we tend to forget about our amazing, you know, Heavenly Father, Jesus in heaven that is, is truly in control of everything. And at least I know for me, it's like we stupidly scratch, you know, our own heads wondering, well, why didn't uh, this happen the way I wanted it to? And we tend to go like so introspective and examine every little detail of the breakup, putting all the attention on ourselves and what we did and say and all of our actions rather than seeking God in the situation and knowing that, well, you know, maybe not every disappointment or question in our life that's gone unanswered needs to be answered. But maybe the solution is to simply realize we're having these toxic thoughts or realize we're having this addiction to like just microscoping ourselves and simply step out in faith and trust his plan for our life boldly and just step forward and say, you know, I don't, I don't know the situation of why this happened or I don't know the solution rather of why this happened, but I'm just going to trust you, you know, father, and I'm going to step forward. and I'm going to believe that you have the best things in store for me. And it's just this idea that I think we're all a lot more fragile and perfect uh, and, and not in control than we're willing to admit. So that's just my long two cents ramble on it, thoughts on it. I spend way too much time thinking about it, but I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, trying to answer or, or not trying to. You did answer the million dollar question and giving kind of your two cents on it. And that was my two cents ramble on it, too. So as promised, let's shift gears for a second here and move to a lot more lighter topic. And something you brought up earlier that I'm interested in learning more about is this idea of your decision to go vegan. So I've never personally done it, but I've had many friends that have tried it over the years and their bodies or stomachs rather have like super negatively uh, reacted to it. And they've got like super sick after trying it for a few days. But in all honesty, I've also had friends too that have done it and loved it. And, you know, you're definitely probably one of them. <laughs> and so they had no side effects. So what was your experience like going vegan? I'm super interested. So it helped having Scott as he's done it for so long. Um, because I've talked to other people like that and they were like, I starved myself. Or I had a friend told me this weekend that her uncle tried it and he like ended up in the hospital. And I was like, I, I don't. I think it can be, so being vegan, you can actually eat very unhealthy. You can have like French fries, you can have cake that has like obviously dairy-free, egg-free, but like you can have a lot of things and a lot of the vegan substitute for things is not that good for you. It's the plant-based whole foods that is where you're going to find your nutrition. And I'm not a dietitian by any means. I have best friends that are dietitians, so if they're listening, like they're probably like, please don't talk anymore. But I, I think I had a good reaction to it because I was eating balanced meals. Um, not like, not that I always do that, but like, I always make sure I have like protein that I get from my beans, legumes. I make sure I have my veggies and my grains and have a balanced meal. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong because they think, oh, it's vegan, it's automatically healthy. And that's not true. Like you also have to think about, are, am I getting my nutrition? Um, and so, yeah. And so I feel like Scott does a really good job of making sure, it, in the beginning when I was learning stuff and he did a really good job of helping me like navigate, like, oh, you can't just have a piece of bread. You should probably have something else. <laughs> like it can go, if you're not educated on what, that lifestyle is then it can go very wrong um and it's not for everybody and i'm not like saying everyone should do it it's great like 
it's something that we've chosen to do and I love eating that way. I, at this point, so I started, I went plant-based because I had a dairy allergy and so I wasn't eating dairy at all. I mean, I was like, I, I think the allergy started in high school when my mom went dairy free and she cut out dairy in our house for like a year. And And I didn't like notice it really, like my body didn't react. But I think ever since then, and I wasn't a milk baby. I I was a water kid. Like I always had water in my sippy cups. Like, and I think it was just, it was not really around our house. And I ended up not really liking milk or cheese. Like it just wasn't good anyways. So I think just because I didn't really like it or eat it as much, I got some sort of allergy to it. It's not like awful, but I definitely don't feel good after I eat dairy. So cut that out and then I don't really love red meat at all like I don't really love burgers or pork of any type so I was just eating chicken fish and eggs and um so it was like a really easy transition for me because I I I don't know and then but every now and then like I have sushi every now and then like I've had it twice maybe in the past couple years and you can't resist a Chick-fil-A chicken nugget but I, but I also like, I eat it, eat one thing and I'm like, I don't want it anymore. Like, I don't really like it at this point. And I think that's good too. And one of my best friends that's a dietitian, well, they both are really like hone in on like, do not restrict yourself. Um, and I don't feel like I am at, at all. Like I never think like I'm one of those people that like if I'm craving Chick-fil-A, I'm gonna go to Chick-fil-A. I don't care. Like I'm not gonna be like cheat day. Like it's not a cheat day. Like I'm just want Chick-fil-A. You know, like and I haven't really had that craving and I love eating my veggies now. I mean, veggies are so much better now that like if it's like the main thing you eat, like we've learned how to really season them and like people that don't know how to season veggies. I was one of those people once and I felt like I feel sorry for you because <laughs> they're so good if you can like season them well. And yeah, it's it's a, a lifestyle that I don't think will ever go back because I feel great. I like I I don't know. I don't crave I, I still crave like like in I don't know. I'm going on a tangent now, but I can like, I made the the best, I made the best oatmeal chocolate chip cookies this weekend. And you can like still, like, I feel like people are like, oh, you're vegan. You don't have any cookies. And I'm like, yes, I do. I just use like a flax egg. Like it's not like a normal egg. And I use like dairy free chocolate chips. Like you just switch it out. And I feel like people are like, oh, you're so healthy. And I'm like, "Mm, I'm just like you. (laughs) I'm just a normal girl. (laughs) What has it been like? going out to eat if someone's like hey do you and scott do you guys want to go out to xyz restaurant and you know on friday night like couples let's catch up are you like hey uh, i have to check and see if there's stuff I, I can eat or are you able to pretty much get food anywhere y'all go yeah socially it's the hardest um we can nashville's really good at having things that we can eat the only places that are kind of annoying is barbecue there's like nothing we can have at barbecue spots except for like french fries and um socially it is the hardest but at this point that most people know that we're plant-based and so it's pretty simple um there are some times when like this weekend I went over to a friend's house for brunch and they're like we're making waffles and bacon and all stuff and I was like 
I'm going to pack my avocado toast and my fruit because I feel like they're not going to like I we just know like if it's at people's houses, we either eat before or like bring something or, or be like or offer to bring something because we're like, it's okay. Like we don't want people to like rearrange the whole schedule to fit us. Um, but we've also like, yeah, it's not that difficult going out to eat here because there's like, there's always a salad there. There's a lot of places in town that can make dishes vegan. All I got to do is like switch the butter for olive oil or there's a lot of vegetarian dishes out now. I feel like it's much more of an accepted lifestyle that you see it most everywhere except for barbecue. But yeah, we were talking about that the other day because we were talking about going on a trip with some couples and we were like, we want to go on a, tr- a trip with couples that eat similarly to us. Because <laughs> I don't want to go on a vacation and then go to all these, like, steak restaurants. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it it it. But it ha- we haven't really run into a problem ever. It's really, honestly, the worst is going home. So I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, and there is nothing. <laughs> nothing i actually my mother has told me that they're they're they have a new vegan place downtown apparently um but it's always like hard going home like i'll be like can we get a pizza with like a veggie pizza with no cheese and they're like did you really mean that and i'm like yes so when you decided that gather to graze was going to be a thing was there ever a moment where you kind of self-doubted yourself or was like nervous about making the instagram and like you know kind of putting your foot in the sand being like this is a thing like what was that like going from this idea of like I can't maybe I want to do this but maybe I don't like was there ever so it's funny because I feel like I started it like on a whim like I was like this is a great idea I'm gonna do it I'm gonna get the Instagram and I had friends that were like you should do it and I started it on a whim and then people actually started ordering and I was like oh wait do I want to do this like is this who I'm going to be now? Like, I don't, I think it went back into like, but I'm a songwriter. Like, this isn't me. Like, like how long can this go on? Like, when is this stop? Like I had to like think for a second and be like, what if like I have to sell the company one day? Like I haven't even thought about that. Like I would like, I like got so far ahead and I was like, had all these fears come up. And then I was like, why, like it yes it is wise to have your goals and which I I have goals now but at the beginning I just like was like this sounds fun and I'm gonna do it and see if anyone's interested and I did it and then that's when I had the second thoughts of oh no like what have I done is this and then it also got into like I don't eat meat or cheese I feel like a phony like I feel like I am selling a product that I don't believe in. And I had all of these like things in my mind of like, Oh no. But then I, I turned and I was like, no, like I think that's what makes me unique of like, yes, I'll put meat and cheese on this because I'm not telling someone not to eat it. Like that's like, I'm just don't like it, but I want to make it beautiful for you. And if your friends don't eat meat or cheese too, like I get it, I'll put something that I like on there too. Like, and I think that, is what's like fun and like more community aspect about it. Like I, so at the beginning of the year I started teaching these classes and like cheese word classes. And a lot of people were asking like, so like what are your pairing suggestions? Like wine and cheese. And I was like, well, Google says like, <laughs> but I, I felt bad. Cause I was like, 
I don't know. And I had to come up and like, and end up saying like, I am only here to show you how to make your food look pretty. Like, and that's what I know how to do. (laughs) I don't know the pairings. I actually have no idea what this cheese tastes like. The lady at Trader Joe's told me it tasted good. Like I (laughs) have to trust other people. And I even knew that today I like texted a friend and I was like, tell me everything you hated and everything you liked on the board. Like I just need to know. And everyone's palates are different, you know, like wine and cheese pairings. I don't even know. I know nothing about it. I bought a couple books this week or last week about it actually. Or I don't even know when that was. I bought some books about it and just to like learn because people ask and I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I also want to be honest and be like, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I know what goes great with this because I've never tried it. So along those lines, like if you had to really... I don't want to say sell me, but what what do you think that about Gallery Degrees is so unique? Is it the presentation aesthetically? Is it that there's so many different uh, nutritional options? Is it you know what what do you feel like that that really what you're doing is so unique? Yeah, I think the presentation is really unique. I think that's the most unique thing. But I want it to be known as this is not just a meat and cheese company like this is a a catering company this is a business that all of my friends can eat this and I don't need to be on a quote-unquote diet to not be able to enjoy or, or to enjoy um and so I really yeah I want it to be known for its inclusivity and bringing people together over food no matter what type of diet you follow no matter what your allergies are like everyone's welcome at the table like it's not just for the meat and cheese people (laughs) so yeah I think that's I I want that to be what's unique and not just like oh charcuterie which also I want to point out charcuterie do you know what charcuterie means charcuterie means the meat the it's it's actually the word for the meat on the board charcuterie if there's no meat on the board it's cheese board it's not a charcuterie board And I think that's a a fun fact that people don't know. I learned that like a year into this. No, I I learned it like a few months into it. But I anyway, so that's why I like to call them grazing boards. And like because there might not even be cheese on it. Like it could be cashew cheese, quote unquote cheese. People don't like it if you call it cheese, if it's not actually cheese. But like cashew cheese or like nut cheese and like hummus. Like it it might not be a charcuterie board every time. So um yeah grazing boards you gather to graze over the grazing boards that's why i like them (laughs) how much of social media has impacted your business for better or for worse like i I don't know about you but i always ask myself i i love to play the what if games and i'm like what if i was me but like 30 years ago or gosh 20 years ago before really instagram was a thing or you know social media was a thing like how would i be doing business differently because so much of what i do is all social media based so does it also help being that your product is very instagramable yes oh yeah i feel like that's like the selling point (laughs) and i've like really invested in my photos recently my friend jessica statham go jessica or jess (laughs) we fight over who's gonna be called jess or jessica um we don't fight my friend jessica is helping me with (laughs) my friend jessica has been helping me with my photo game recently and um i think that's really helped in a way um because yeah a lot of my business comes from instagram and i i i do think my business would 
still because I, I still get a lot of like word of mouth people that like I heard about this or I saw this at my friend's party like and just like text me or whatever so I think it, it would still be going but I also don't know if I would have gotten good at it like you know like honestly I started because I was inspired by other people that I saw on social media like they inspired me to like be like oh I didn't think about styling it that way or this would be I saw someone use like greenery on theirs like I'm gonna try greenery and I think my art is an accumulation of everyone else's art that I've seen which I think is true from any artist but I don't think I I who even knows if gathered grays would have been a thing because I started because I was inspired by other people um maybe it would have I I don't know I didn't I when I was five I wasn't like I'm gonna be a cheese person I was like I'm gonna be the next Shania Twain like (laughs) that's who I was when I was five but I don't know who knows that's a good question but Without giving away any secrets, if there are any secrets, where do you like source your cheese and meats from? Are you? Oh, it's not a secret. Okay, Trader Joe's, because <laughs> it's the best. Um, Trader Joe's is where I get most of my things, and everyone knows that. I tell them that, and it's so they have like a lot of good, um, like infused cheeses. Like I really like their specialty stuff. Like that's not just your brie. It's not just your cheddar. Like they have like. I was looking at, there's one called Unexpected Cheddar that everyone loves, and it's like a Parmesan-infused cheddar, which they just came out with a shredded version. I saw someone post about it today. Um, That's like always the crowd favorite. Um, And literally, that was a cheese that... (laughs) So I was standing at Trader Joe's one day, and there was this woman who was like looking for this cheese, and she like asked someone that worked Trader Joe's, like, is such and such cheese there... And she like followed this guy to the back and she was like following this guy all around. And I was still standing at the cheese section and I was like, what did you just ask for? And she was like, oh, it's the unexpected cheddar cheese. You have to get it. And that's where it came from because I was like watching this woman of like on the hunt to find this cheese that she was obsessed with. And because I don't eat cheese, that's how I like find what's good. Cause I'm like, what did you get? I like look at other people's baskets, but Trader Joe's is the best. Um, every now and then a lot of my cashew cheeses I'll get from like Whole Foods, um, or Kroger. So I've tried to start, I don't know if you saw this on my Instagram, (laughs) probably not, (laughs) but I've tried to start making my own cashew cheese. It's gone awful. So bad. So bad. So, so Scott got this, uh, it's called this cheese is nuts. It's a, it's a cookbook for nut cheese that he got for me for Christmas. And my parents got me a dehydrator. Like everyone was in on like, you're going to make cheese. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to make cheese and sell it at the grocery store. Like I went on this whole th- kick of like, that's my next venture. And which uh, at this point, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'll leave that to other people. But basically what you do is you like blend, you soak your cashews overnight or for like eight hours and then blend it up with um, aquafaba, which is the juice from chickpeas and other other things call for like some um uh oh my gosh what is it called probiotics and anyways all there's all these ingredients and so I tried a basic cashew cheese um that was supposed to be like a brie I think who even knows and so you like put it in there and then you like dehydrate it for it said you can dehydrate it for one to three weeks 
to age it. The more you dehydrate it, it ages it. So I did it for like three weeks. And then I like refrigerated it for like two weeks. And (laughs) I like filmed myself and I was like, okay, I'm going to try this on film. And it's going to be like my first like cheese. I'm so excited. I'm going to, this is the first moment of the rest of my life. And I literally cracked open the cheese and it was like so moldy and so gross. And I was like, oh God, like, what have I done? Like, I can't like, (laughs) anyways, so I'm going to try to make cashew cheese again and (laughs) see how it goes. But the first time was an epic fail, (laughs) but it's okay. So looking at your life, you have a lot of things going. You're a wife, you're a marketer for Vanderbilt, you're a singer songwriter, and you're a future Cheesemaker, <laughs> no, bi- business cheese. B- business owner of of Gather Degrees. How how are you thinking about balancing those things? Are there one of those things? Obviously, excluding I shouldn't have put your marriage in there. As far as you know, giving your time, hopefully that's forever. a priority. <laughs> you you know, obviously it is. Um, so between you know marketing, Evandy, Gather Degrees, music. How do you balance those things? Are there one thing that you're hoping is working is going to work out for you? Is it I'm going to give all those things equal amount of time and effort and then whichever one kind of naturally starts to take off, then I'm going to lean into that. Like, how are you thinking about those things? Yeah. So I think I initially was like, I'm going to give them all the same amount of effort and I'm going to just hope and pray that something goes farther than the other. And I don't think that's going to like succeed for me. Like I think that I need to put my time and effort in what that one thing is that I want to really hone my craft. Um, and I, I enjoy my time at Vanderbilt. I, I think it's great. I'm not a desk job person. It is great um, to have a steady income and be able to have good people that I work with. Vanderbilt's a great place to work. Um, but if I were to really... And, I was talking about this with Scott the other day of like, what do I, if I project my life, like maybe like 10 years from now, what do I wish to have accomplished? And, or what do I wish that my days looked like? And I think really it's always been songwriting. Like I've always wanted to be a songwriter. Um, there's not been, there's days that I'm like, Oh, this is so hard. I don't want to do this anymore. Of course, like anything, but that's like my lifelong dream of like writing a song and someone else like and someone else being able to feel that song and want it to be theirs. And I think that it took me a while to realize that I just wanted to be a songwriter. Um, I met with this songwriter years ago and he was like, it took me a failed record deal to know that I just wanted to be a songwriter. Like humans aren't created for glory. Like, And being an artist is really hard on a lot of people and props to the people that can do it (laughs) because I definitely couldn't. And I think that it would like, it is a dream of mine to sit in the back of the Ryman and have someone that's huge, like be singing my song and the person next to me have no idea that I wrote that. Like, I love that. And I want that to be my future, but I also love making cheese boards and grazing boards. Like I love 
the aspect of creating something beautiful and giving it to someone and be like, here's your appetizer for your dinner. Have a nice night and leave or make it something at, for like my family or bringing people together. And I think that those can go hand in hand in some way. There is going to be some give and take, obviously, but I I think that down the road, I would love to just write all day and then at night make a cheese board and drop it off. Like I love Gathered Grays and I want it to be successful, but if it fails, it fails. Like I love doing it right now and I'm going to work hard at it and I just want to see where it goes. Like I'm not going to be like the next I don't know who to even compare myself to with Gathered Grace, but I just want it to be something that something that I love and I don't beat myself up if it if I don't have any sales or like I just want people to enjoy it like I enjoy it, but I still yeah, I think that's the goal. Like I was telling Scott, I was like I'd love to like you know down the 10 years down the road, maybe have like a couple little ones and be able to write and like they be running around like right while I'm writing songs. And then they come with me to deliver my cheese board that night. Like, I think that's really fun. And that's a dream. Was there ever a specific moment that you went from wanting to be an artist to a songwriter or has it always been specifically the art of, of songwriting that's been been your go-to thing because I think a lot of people when they're listening just so we're all on the same page is when she when you're talking about being a songwriter is you're writing the song and someone else is performing it like which no one realizes but I I don't know I'm sure you have a better idea of this than me but I want to say what more than 70 percent if I had to guess of songs on the radio the artists they're singing that's not their song someone specifically in country music a lot like other people are, are writing it so has it always been specifically songwriting or was it more that you were self-aware and as you were kind of pursuing being an artist, you kind of realized like, wow, like I really, really love the songwriting process. And then as you got kind of older and more aware and, and of, of the opportunity or the demand or need for new songs, like you're like kind of own, own that. Yeah. I think, I think it kind of that transition also kind of started when Scott and I got back together. And I think it was because I, like writing songs about like there comes a point when you're singing songs you wrote about your past that you're like I don't feel this anymore or this is not mine anymore this is someone else's song that they love and I I love I think that's a beautiful thing about songwriting and I think that in that transition I realized like oh I can like like disconnect from it a little like I don't know if that's the right word but I realized like I don't have to be connected to all of my songs or I don't um I don't know but then there's also this thing of there became this pressure of being of trying to be an artist of like I need to make sure I'm skinny I need to make sure that I say all the right things on social media I need to make sure that I always have makeup on when I leave the house and like, not that I was ever to that level, but I saw other people that were like that. And I was thinking I was going to be walking in their footsteps and I came, I realized like, I don't think that life's for me. And I, and I don't want that. Like, like I said, like I would rather like, there's this, 
this man who um, like is an elder in the church and he has written so many like great he has so many grammys like written all these things someone walks down the street like has no idea who he is but like i mean if you're in the songwriting or like music industry you know who he is but i think that's so cool like to be i don't know i'm like rambling but yeah i just think it's i think there is a humility that i i don't know yeah i think the songwriting is you still have the art but you don't have to like be a certain person you can just write what's on your heart and give it away if you want and i think that's really beautiful i don't know scott but based on what you've said today it seems like he's super supportive of what you want to do which i think is amazing um i wish i could say that was everyone i knew or everyone's spouses that i've known or met talk to me about that kind of journey of having a spouse who is supportive of you and the impact that that has had for you on whether it is Gather Your Grays or it is songwriting. Um, I just think that's such a amazing thing. Um, and I want to celebrate that and make sure that, you know, that that's given a, a spot in this episode. Yeah. Cause I think that that's such an important thing. And I think the older I've gotten, like I turn 30 next year and I'm still single and I'm like, you know, there's all these things that I've, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about this earlier. Um, but you know, for me, at least growing up, there are all these things that I said or promised myself by the time I'm 30, I'm going to have X, X, X and X accomplished, or I wanted this by 30. And so, you know, for me as, as I've grown in this last couple of years, particularly of I've really grown up and really realized the impact that a marriage can have on, on me and, and having someone that's either very supportive of what I do or someone who tries to kind of put me in a box and be like, I need you to be this and how much I realize like, I really need someone that just can, can support me. Cause like you, I I have a good idea and a, and a, um, a hopeful mentality of what I hope my future looks like, but I'm also so excited to not know what my future looks like. And I'm okay with not having a, a steady income and, and risking things and, and being open to whatever is God opens my eyes to or whatever I grow to, to learn and like. But I don't think that that compatible person is for everyone because I mm. think there are people that need that steady, like, you're going to be this and this is what you're going to be forever and I need you to be that yeah. person. So talk to me about either how you figured out that Scott was supportive of you, did that play out in your dating life and you're like, man, I really like this about him or has this been something more that's kind of been revealed to you in your marriage or just kind of this idea of of support well i don't have that much marriage experience i will say i've only been married for like 10 months but from what i do know i i've learned that i think there was a big like humbling experience when i came to the realization that like i need to support him too I think I looked for that in a relationship of like, he has to support, like whoever I end up with, they have to support me and my dreams and we're going to do what I want to do. And I think that that was revealed when we were dating of like, oh, he's has dreams too. He's a human. And how do our dreams work well together? And how can we support each other? Um, and but I think that we've also have different ways of talking to each other about our dreams. 
I, that is something that we've definitely learned in marriage of sometimes I just want him to be a sounding board and just listen to the dreams that I have instead of like, cause Scott is, I, I'm like a big dreamer. So I'm going to like think like, like I was saying, like, Oh, I'm going to make my own cheese one day and I'm going to sell it in grocery stores. And like, I think about all of these things and dream about all these things. And I tell them to Scott and Scott's like, hold on, like, what or he'll be like okay these are the steps you need to take and I'm like wait I don't know I don't know like he's much more like logical and practical and I'm much more of like an imaginative imaginative person um and so we've had to learn how to talk to each other about our dreams and goals um and how we want to be talked to and vice versa like yeah it's like so I'll be talking about my goals or dreams and I just want Scott to be like cool and like let me feel the excitement about it and then if I come back to it I'm like actually gonna do it then he can tell me to, to what steps I need to take and then for him like if he's like I'm gonna do these things I'll be like okay what steps you're gonna take and he loves that like he but sometimes I'm like great let's like let's dream about like all the money you're gonna make or like whatever and he is much more like, no, we can't think about that yet. We have to think about the steps. Like, and I think that that is beautiful for like each person. And you don't learn that on a first date. You know, you have to learn that over the course of dating and engagement, even marriage. Like there's going to be, I mean, I know from my small experience of being married, there's going to be a billion other things I'm going to learn about him. But I do know that we like to talk about our goals differently and talk about our dreams differently. And it's okay that we talk about it differently. I think I was looking for that too. Like when I was dating of like, Oh, we need to think the same and we need to think about our goals the same or it's not going to work. And that is a lie. Like you can't expect every person to be just like you. And that is an unfair thing to put on to someone else. Um, and yeah, I've loved finding the beauty in our differences and learning on how our differences can build each other up and how can we support each other in the dreams that we have um, to be better together. I love one of the things that you, you called out early in the episode and talking about that people change, mm-hmm. that you and your husband are, are going to change. And that's going to happen whether we all want it to or not. What advice would you give to people? Because this is a question that I ask myself, and so I'm actually selfishly asking this question. Yeah. But knowing that people change, was there kind of this... I know that everyone's going to change. I'm going to change. So if that's the case, then why not just marry anyone? And obviously that's yeah. not the case. But how, how do you think about that for you? Or just you can take it the other route and just give you know advice if you don't want to be intra of thinking about that idea of if I marry Susie Q and she's 25, but knowing she's going to be different at 30, then do I just need to give the 25-year-old a ton of grace are there certain things I should be looking for in the 25 that are, are just like a non-negotiable or? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I've thought about that too. I'm like, what, what aspects change? You know, like, you know that everyone changes, but like, you know, you're going to physically change. That's inevitable. And you know that, but like what else changes, you know, like, do, do you, I mean, obviously like sickness and health, like you could have like health issues and that could change and things like that. But yeah, I think what came down to is for me and Scott, our faith, like we both love Jesus a lot and that was something that we agreed on and two people that love Jesus 
can make it work. And I know that that's like, but that also doesn't mean like, yeah, pick out Suji Q and you're going to let both love Jesus and it's going to be great. But I think that your faith and I think, um, the, the amount of, and this is not going to be perfect when you get married by any means, but like the amount of willingness to grow and learn about each other. Cause I think people that are really stubborn, stubborn and are like, this is who I am. Sorry. Are, are going to fail. And I mean, I've been that person and I am that person every other day. I think that's, that's hard too. It's like, yeah, how do you know? Cause I had a friend that asked me that the other day because she's dating someone and she was like, well, how do you know? Like that's the person you're going to get married to. And I was like, you know, that's a good question because like even an engagement, like you have the thoughts, Scott would say the same thing of like, is this person supposed to marry? Like, this is a huge deal. Like, how do you know if this is right? They are going to change. When do they change? What changes about them? Um, but I think there just comes a point where you choose that person and you've seen them in their really hard times and you love them through it. And you've seen each other at really ugly times and you learn how to talk about it. Communication is key. People say it and it's true. Talking about things and yeah, there just comes a point where you're just like, I'm going to choose this person and I'm going to love them for the rest of my life. And I think that is all I know about marriage. <laughs> I've, I've told you everything I know. All right. Last question. Okay. Everyone gets the same question on, on the podcast. Um, and as we kind of talked about before we start recording, the No More Zero Days podcast is based on this idea of living life in either the zero day, which is the zero days when you get nothing done towards accomplishing your goal, be it a musician, be it a cheese entrepreneur, be it a wife, um, or, you know, having a hundred day where you just get everything done and everything's perfect the way you want it to. And it's really dangerous that I was living my life and really in that mentality of either I'm going to crush today or all bets are off. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm having the thoughts, whatever I want. And instead it's trying to live this life and kind of that one to 99 mentality of if I can do the little things that are right, as long as it's not a zero day, it may be a five, it may be a 10, you know, in quarantine, it's probably hard to have a hundred, probably 50 yeah. is probably the best for a lot of us. But it's looking back then over that quarantine or over that month or that week and being like, wow, like, you know, I didn't just crush it every day, but I did this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday. And like, look at all the progress I made. And it's learning to, to not beat yourself up over that in all aspects of your life. So that being said, what advice would you give to someone who's stuck in that extreme of zero day mentality and then a hundred be it from a music from a songwriter standpoint from a uh, a marriage standpoint i'll let you take it down whatever avenue all the avenues that you want to talk to but what advice would you give to someone who is listening to this and is really identifying with like wow like i really am stuck in that mentality i will say that some like even now like i do have those zero days and i do have those 100 days and i'm speaking to myself right now but I mean and I and and you say this but like you've already said this but it's doing the very small things like when I started songwriting again it's like writing two lines making up a melody like and that has taken me farther than I thought it would and I've I've written three songs over quarantine which is more than I wrote last year total and so I think, um, yeah, just doing the small things. And even like from a gather to grace perspective of 
how much my business has grown in a year and a half. Um, it's the, the small things, even like the, the one day, if that's all I do is send an email to someone and say, this is what I do or make one Instagram post and one person buys something, then that's a day that I succeed. But I think I also would tell myself, (laughs) don't beat yourself up for having a zero day. And don't think that because you have a zero day, you failed. And that your next day doesn't have to be a zero day. But if it is, that's okay. And you're still fine. Um, So yeah, I think it's don't beat yourself up and you're okay.